Hi, I'm Bill Arnold. Thank you for listening to this podcast. There are many more podcasts available at MyFaithRadio.com. Your support makes this possible. Thank you. And a warm welcome to the afternoon show. I'm Bill Arnold, and today I've got Dr. Marcus Bachman with me, and we're going to talk about gender dysphoria today. He is the founder and president of Counseling Care. You can learn more about him at counselingcare.us. And as the founder, Marcus, way back when, when you started, were you the chief counselor and garbage taker outer? <laughs> uh, everything. You know, okay. my, my, my children were the... Um, uh, their jobs are to clean bathrooms and <laughs> vacuum, and yeah. they still tell me today as adults, Dad, that was actually a good idea. Nice. You know, 15, well, now it's 20 years later, mm-hmm. they can um, understand having children of their own. Yeah. Chores are a good thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And how many people do you have uh, counseling at your center? About 30 counselors. That's a lot. Uh, it's, you know, it's a fair amount, and we're just honored, honored to walk alongside someone's faith journey, to be there as a compassionate friend and encouragement and to give them some light before their path, as the scripture says, and if they don't know the Almighty Counselor, to really talk to them about who really cares for them. Amen. Now, Marcus, this is a hot topic, so just to get (laughs) ready for today, I turn the heat up here to 92. (laughs) So if you start to sweat, that's why. Okay. You know, Bill, I, I, I want to say you're courageous for uh, being willing to talk about this because it not only is a hot topic, it's an important topic. And I think we as believers need to know how do we respond? Thank you. What is this about? Thank you. And give us some direction yeah. rather than being uh, saying it's yuck. Yeah, I We get need it. to see something beside that. Yeah. So I've got a bunch of questions for you. <laughs> <laughs> and hopefully I will cover many that people are thinking today. All now, right? Now, just because I wrote the questions down does not mean I have the answers I get fully. It. So, okay, I get okay, it. don't I get hold it. me to that. Okay. Let's start with the basics. What is gender dysphoria? You know, first of all, you need to understand that terminology changes and uh, definitions change and the understanding of layering of different definitions. So you will find different definitions according to the author, Uh, but gender dysphoria is basically, Bill, someone who has um, assigned uh, biological parts that disagree with their assignment. They have a deep distress, uh, a sense that this is not who they should be. They don't feel like, and, and by the way, it is typically um, understood with feelings. This is not a science. This is not a biological um, a definition. It is a feeling of someone who is distressed about the sexuality that they have been assigned to. Mm-hmm. So, Marcus, what is the criteria or the characteristics of gender dysphoria? If I was going to be diagnosed, what would be the criteria or characteristics? Well, you have to have um, a certain number of criteria. Um, Most of the time, you have to have an understanding that 
you don't want to be a male. You don't want to be a female. Uh, you detest being that. You have great angst about being that person, being male or being female. Uh, typically, you're going to find um, for the diagnosis and the symptoms, someone who is typically either de- uh, with an outcome of having depression or anxiety. Um, it can have um, someone who has um, sexual uh, identity di- uh, difficulty with um eating disorder, they can have trauma. Uh, There's a lot of reasons, and hopefully we'll get into that, because there's a difference between how the secular world defines why this is, and from my perspective, how the biblical Christian world defines why this is. Mm -hmm. Uh, But there is definitely, uh, there has to be an intensity of dislike, almost a, a, a hate or a sense that uh, there's a mistake made. This, this which is um, assigned to me is, is something I have to change. And that change can happen, obviously, from anything from wearing uh, the opposite sex clothes. It can be through chemicals, uh, um, you know, blockers, uh, sexual operation to change. Uh, it can go in a lot of different directions, but it's someone who is, um, uh, and I, I, I won't use the word obsessed, but they think much about wanting to be someone else. Hmm. Well, Marcus, when you say they have a intense dislike, what about the man that is five years old and wants to be an NBA player, and he grows up to only be five one, and he can't stand the fact he's only five one. Yep. He hates being five one. Yeah. Do we call that sin? Uh, well, I'm just saying. I mean, is there? Uh, well, well, so you, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I, so you hate something? Okay. Exactly. Figure exactly. It, figure it out. Yes. Yes. And you know, this is this is when we get into the reasons of. Why is there such a conflict? Um, the conflict is is I'm in rebellion to what I am. I am in rebellion against how God has made me. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, again, if we're if we look at the causes and we look at um, because the truth is, from the secular world, there is no reason uh, that is understood as to the why. Uh, how how did this happen? There's a there's a belief that we're not supposed to define why. Mm-hmm. As a matter of fact, it could be chemistry, uh, biological uh, reasons that we are are not feeling male or feeling female, and there's a there's there's something genetic about that. Uh, or it could be because of a trauma. Uh, it could be because of sexual abuse. We've been hurt. We've been damaged. Uh, or a um, a uh, uh, body image distortion. It could be a lot of different reasons, but the end result that the secular um, community responds to why this is, is we don't know. And we're not really supposed to answer the why question. Mm-hmm. And and okay. I think, okay, there could be some truth to that. I think that there are many of us that will, you know, arrive in heaven's gates and say, 
uh, why did I struggle with this? Why was this me? Why, 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 why did this happen? Uh, versus, wait a minute, um, is my spirit right about accepting how and who God has made me? Mm-hmm. And if he's made me male, then I need to receive that, accept that. It, there, there may be temptations, there may be temptations regarding same sex. There may be temptations being a woman. I want to, you know, uh, play in a, a, a man's sports. Well, the opposite is usually the case, which we can get into also. I mean, how unfair is that? Mm-hmm. Uh, but there is a there's a real sense of uh, I am uh, I am not going to accept that which God has designed and given for me. And and there is a real rebellion involved in all of that, which we can, of course, those of us that have strong faith understand what rebellion is. Yeah, It's sin. So we're talking about the causes now of gender dysphoria with Dr. Marcus Bachman. And Marcus, the secular world would say what about the cause? Uh, they would they would say that it could be genetic. It just could be this is how you were born, right? Just yes, born in the wrong body. Yeah, well, yes. Okay, uh, and and therefore, and here we go, Bill. Um, uh, during a child's and pre-adolescent, even adolescent stages of life, there is a lot of. Um, um, trying to understand one's identity. I mean, that's as old as the, as the hills. Uh, back when you were and I were adolescents, we were trying to figure ourselves out. Who are we? Mm-hmm. What's our purpose? Why are we here? All the normal questions. Uh, today, we see that with pre-adolescence children, um, they may have some questions about, am I more of a boy? Am I more of a girl? What do I like? Um, and we can get into some of the stereotypes of what they can play with and so forth. But the truth of the matter is children, a high percentage of children simply grow out of that questioning, that um, wanting to um, figure this out and not knowing for sure. Children grow out of that. Adolescents who... Um, still have that uh, question, that that is a bit of a, a higher percentage that they come out still um, struggling with that into uh, adulthood. And and why would that be? I, I think, why are we seeing and hearing? It's as if we've pushed a button fast forward in the last three years that say, you know, this gender identity uh, confusion is all over the place. I mean, what Oscar uh, person who, who receives an Oscar hasn't gone up and said, "Let's use a let's use the pronouns. Let's uh, uh, endorse someone's uh, decision of coming out." All of this has seemed like it's just gone on fast forward in a in a in a way that seems. What what happened? I, I was around 10 years ago, and this wasn't the main issue. No. Today, it's the main issue, it mm-hmm. seems like, in our culture. Yeah. It does. Dr. Marcus Bachman is my guest. We're talking about gender dysphoria today. I've got a bunch of questions, but if you have one as well, you can text it over, 877-933-2484. You can learn more about Marcus and his fine team at counselingcare.us. We'll be right back.
Listen to Faith Radio Live or on demand no matter where you go. Download the free Faith Radio app in your app store today. Welcome back to the show. Dr. Marcus Bachman's my guest. We are talking about gender dysphoria. So, Marcus, uh, what, what would be a Christian perspective of a cause for gender dysphoria? A Christian perspective. Yeah, well, I, I'll borrow a little bit of what the secular um, would say. And if let's say that there is a trauma that's happened in a child's life. It, it could be sexual. It could be uh, another type of trauma. Um, it creates a fractured sense of who you are. Something isn't safe, isn't right with me. And that can slip over to this sexual identity. Um, if there's something wrong with me, if I feel like, remember, so much of this is going to be based on feelings. Um, that transfer over to what I will call call as wrong thinking. But if I've been traumatized and I start to allow wrong thinking to come into my life, I can start wondering, what else is wrong with me? Uh, well, maybe I can't trust. I can't trust what is what people call is right and wrong. And when that starts happening, our whole sense of being and who we are, the sense of identity starts to um, dissipate. And we can see that there is a cause even in a trauma. Now, I now I think there's, there's much more to it than that. I do believe that um, Bill, I'm going to go on and on. You're going to have to just stop me here on the way here. But, but I do believe that for young people who are not certain about their identity, not certain fully about their sexuality, uh, when they have social media that is pushing, promoting, encouraging, saying not only is it cool – for you not to be certain about your sexual identity, it is courageous. It's a good thing for you to come out and experiment or come out and say that you're transgender, to say that you are not okay about being a male or a female. I just think there's an emphasis. It's like an award given to someone who has that kind of courage. And if you've got someone who's already already um, confused in the process, that might be a nice train for that person they think to go on. Mm-hmm. As a matter of fact, why wouldn't it be if they're going to be rewarded for it? Mm-hmm. If they're going to be encouraged, if they're going to say, you know, I'm really hip, it's really hip. It 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 is such a small percentage of true sexual identity uh, confusion. But now, as we have seen in the last sh- sh- uh, short few years, such an emphasis on why this has, has almost um, bubbled to the f- surface with a huge number of teenagers. And I think a lot of it has to do with peer pressure, uh, social media, the 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 entertainment world, which, you know, we all know that uh, Hollywood is filled with coming to the edge of trying to try something very um, desperate. 
and uh, and it's 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 considered a, a positive thing to do today. Mm-hmm. Dr. Marcus Bachman is my guest. We're talking about gender dysphoria. Marcus, when a child acts in ways that are typical of the opposite sex, what is a wise course of action for parents to take? I want to be careful in answering that question because, Bill, I think that we need to be careful not to stereotype kids, um, that only um, boys can play sports or only girls can be in theater or, um, you know, if uh, a, a young man has, a, has an eye for beauty, um, uh, that really is not anything to do with gender dysphoria. That just means they have an eye for beauty. That means that they may be a, uh, he may be a good dancer. He may uh, have a love for theater. That's great. That's wonderful. That's that can be the bent that God has made. So I want to be real careful that we don't go into th- that. There are only he and she areas of of interest and and so forth. Uh, but I do think that. Um, then the opposite is also true. I think as parents, why wouldn't we encourage boys to um, enjoy uh, sports and and hunting and fishing and all that? Again, it doesn't mean that girls can't. It just means that we want to affirm a boy or a girl in, the, uh, in their uh, roles that they um, are meant to the bent that they have. And if you esteem someone in that arena, what you're really doing is saying, you know what? You're a good kid. You're, 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 you're all right. And as a grandparent or as a parent, I can affirm them with, I love you. I accept you. I, I'm not, um, uh, so much of this wait and see, uh, what happens is, is going to, turn out just fine. Uh, we don't need to do any shaming. We don't need to do any blaming for a kid that maybe um, some of the stereotypical roles that we don't feel comfortable with. I just think that we need to, though, affirm and accept uh, a kid for being who he is and who she is. Marcus, if I can circle back a little bit to you had mentioned there is so much emphasis on sexual identity issues right now. Yeah. And I'm fascinated by why that is and what we might be able to learn today about that. Well, I think that if we are um, going to talk about um, what's going on in the world today, I think our children need to be prepared. They need to know what's going to happen to them at school, what's going to be uh, spoken about. Um, I don't think it should be uh, um, a misunderstood thing if a drag queen comes to an elementary school and our kids are not prepared for that. I mean, first of all, I would say I, I'd be very careful about uh, enrolling my child in a school that would allow a drag queen. But um, but they but but we need to make sure that our children are are prepared as much as possible and yet not too much information given to them so that they are going to have to feel and think about things being over sexualized it's a it's a balance as a parent as a grandparent what to say and 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 how much to give but i think that we are definitely in an over sexualized i mean you you can 
you can hardly buy a box of Kleenex without it being mm-hmm. a sexual thing. And I'm thinking, how did that happen again? Mm-hmm. And so telling the truth about God has made you male, God has made you female, and that's a wonderful thing. There's a, there's a, there's a great book out called She Is She. And um, if I get a chance, could I read just a few words from the book? Yeah. All right. Yeah. Here it goes. Uh, it's, it's a bit hard to believe that we even have to have books like this, but here it goes. If, if, if we were not on the radio and I could show this, these are colorful pictures of she is she. She is not a he. She is not we. She is she. <laughs> She's a mother. She's a sister, not a brother. She's a granny. She's an auntie. She's a bestie, not a grampy. She she is she naturally. She's beautiful. She's she. She's an employer. She's a doctor. <laughs> she's a justice-seeking lawyer. She's a speaker. She's a leader. You see how this goes, Bill? Mm-hmm. Is they're affirming the simplicity of she is she. I, I love this. She's a favorite grade school teacher. Um, it, it goes on and on with these wonderful words. Can you imagine what their next book is going to be? That's fantastic. Their next book is going to be He Is He. I love that. <laughs> you know, I, I dare parents and grandparents to read this book, this type of book, during story time at public schools, mm-hmm. at public libraries. Why do drag queens want to perform for children? I don't get that. Oh, it's it's a uh, there's there is a um, there's a decision made that um, sexuality uh, should be introduced at a young age because they know that it's vulnerable at the, at a young age. They know that at a young age, a child is in that decision making, not always sure of who they are. Mm. So if we can have Access. If we can deliver a message of such confusion at that young of age, you see, remember, a drag queen does not think there's anything wrong. As a matter of fact, they're 110% right in, in their approach. So why shouldn't we be able to introduce so that uh, children don't have the agony, as they would put it, of, of uh, having confusion and not being affirmed? This is just normal in their mind, and they want to introduce it. I really believe there's an agenda. There's a decision made that we need to introduce this so that young children can carry on with a natural confusion or a natural sense of I have not arrived fully at my identity to now I can have question marks. Mm -hmm. And the more question marks I can have, then the more that I am susceptible. All right, we'll take a short break. When we return, Dr. Marcus Bachman will continue our discussion on gender dysphoria. If you have a question, let me know what it is, 877-933-2484. Let's get it started. Jump in your car. Yeah. What's for dinner? Hey. It's- 
I'm back with Dr. Marcus Bachman, and we're talking about gender dysphoria today. And some good questions have come in. And Marcus, I want to continue to uh, ask some questions just about what happens. Uh, how does a Christian counselor counsel a trans person with gender dysphoria? How do you do that? Wow. Well, you know, unfortunately, uh, depending on the state that you're in, there are certain laws now that... Um, say that that's not even an option for a counselor to um, counsel someone who is confused about their identity. Hmm. Um, they basically say that you don't have a right as a licensed counselor um, to um, in- encourage uh, them to uh, become straight or um, uh, work through even their feelings, even if they have a value system that says, you know, I'm confused. I'm not certain. I'd like to, I'd like to be able to talk about that. Isn't that what you come to counselors for? Exactly. When you're confused with things? Exactly. But, um, but there are certain laws in certain states that say that's not uh, permissible. As a matter of fact, we, we, we will revoke your license. Okay. So I, I think that there are, if, if that's not the case, um, everyone has to decide how they're going to deal with that legality. But the truth is, uh, if there's been trauma involved, I as a counselor will want to find out, well, how did they, did they work through that trauma? If that trauma affected and fractured their way of thinking, if that trauma uh, involved their sense of identity, well, we need to start where where that hurt, that damage took place. Mm-hmm. There are a lot of reasons why a person could be battling. Let's say uh, the father or mother, you know, always wanted to have a girl, and you happen to be the last one born, and and you're the boy. Well, if there's such an emphasis that the that the acceptance was really spoken or unspoken that you really are not you weren't supposed to be a boy, you're supposed to be a girl, that can really mess up. Don't you like that professional term? Mess up a kid's life. And so as a counselor, I'd want to unravel that and speak into his life about how God intended him. Even at the mistake of a parent's selfishness or um, even if they were uh, misunderstood about uh, why that that came out um, from their parents' perspective, I just want to unravel. I want to take layer upon layer, and then I want to be courteous and respectful to that person. I want to listen to their story. I want to understand them. I want to make sure that they know that this is a safe place. Mm-hmm. And if they feel like this is a safe place and they can talk about, I mean, there, there are a lot of guys out there. There's a lot of women out there that they don't, they don't even know where to start. And if, if they can talk about this, cause it's such a shameful thing. Well, if I create a, a safe environment and I start week after week, start just talking to them about, uh, their history and who they are, and they know that I'm going to be that safe person, then we can start unraveling some of the mysteries behind the sexual um, uh, difficulties that they're going through. Mm-hmm. Question came in, Marcus. Advice for parents with gender dysphoria kids. How does that advice change as they go from being a teenager to a young adult? The beauty of being parents and grandparents is that they have two ears. 
And I, I think there is a tremendous healing that takes place when that parent and that grandparent is able to listen Understand what is it that that a child, that adolescent is going through and um, what's it like for him or her. Uh, and the more that that parent and grandparent are listeners and able to hear the story uh, and they they don't have to have a professional license. They just need to be there as again as a safe person. And you know what? I accept you. I love you. I want you to know the design that God has for your life. If mm-hmm. I didn't love you and didn't uh, talk about that, I, that would that would be harmful in your life. And so I think in your own gentle way, even if it's a clear-cut time of telling the truth, I need to tell you the truth, how God has designed you. But there is a world out there that is trying to manipulate and change. And there is a, there's a, there's a, spiritual side to this, a demonic side also. And I think that's fair to talk about it from all angles. Mm-hmm. Let's uh, do a little bit more defining. Uh, you did earlier talk about a transgender. You introduced it, but you didn't really go into too much depth. Maybe we can define that and then also say something about a non Binary person. Yes, non-binary. Okay, we'll start with transgender. It's kind of, it's really an umbrella, um, just a descriptive term um, that uh, uh, says that you're not comfortable with who you are. You're not comfortable with your sex. You're not comfortable having male, if you're a male, um, uh, having male genitalia. Um, it's it's a fact that um, I'm distressed about this. So it's basically, I'm not okay um, non-binary is this whole gender fluidity, and that is the most common expression today. Oh, by the way, um, I looked up the terms for um, gender dysphoria and gender identity issues. There's 40, in one book alone, I, I found 46 definitions and 46 words um, that defined gender identity issue. It is the most complicated and layered. And if you wonder why you're confused about it, it's because the definitions change. It's because they overlap each other. But with non-binary, which is the, again, the most popular uh, approach today is that there is no male and there is no female. And if and and here's the what I what I would consider is the most unfair approach toward all of this. And if you feel too strong that you're a male, there's something wrong with you. If you feel you're you're, you're too strong, you feel like you're female. There's something wrong with you. Mm. And of course, that's exactly the opposite of what God's word says. Yeah. He's clearly made them male and female. Now again. Uh, can we have interest and desires that cross over? Yes. But when it comes to the identity, rather than having this fluid, you see, I can feel, it's all about feelings. If I feel more like a female or a male today, then that's who I am. Well, that's total confusion. Mm-hmm. And that's endorsed. It's actually given as a way of, that. That's, that is the um, 
uh, the strongest, wisest approach is is what the secular world is saying. So um, non-binary is a fluidity of you're not male and you're not female. You're really uh, not to identify yourself that mm-hmm. way. How confusing is that, Bill? Well, it's very confusing. I saw an ad for a T-shirt, and the T-shirt said there are more than two genders. That's what said on the front of the T-shirt. And if you went to order it and you did the drop-down box, you had the choice of male or female. (laughs) It's just so idiotic. Uh, That form is going to change because they're going to get... Well, what about about government and airlines and things? They, They don't mess around. No, of course not. They shouldn't be messing around. Let's say that's for sure. But but again, you're seeing in your employment, you know, the the choices and the pronouns that to be used and you know, how do we answer to that and and you know, there's there's more of us. And this is not a um I'm not trying to be a, a competitive person when I say this, but the truth is, I think that as as believers, as Christians, we've been very careful and very respectful, which we should be. But I think there comes a point in time when we say, when a man walks into a woman's bathroom, we're not to be silent. We're not to just say, oh, well, that's the way it is today because, you know, we're, we're a progressive nation. I think we need to sincerely say uh, it's not acceptable. It's not okay. Whether we say it to that person, we don't have to get big about it. We don't have to get angry about it. Um, there, there may be some emotion because we feel like you've trespassed and you've 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 crossed over. But you you can say to that person or to the management. Now the question is, will the management do anything? But you can say this is not acceptable. Yeah. And and I think I think Bill, you know, because this whole culture is filled with feelings as believers. I think we should utilize that we should drop down and utilize that one for ourselves when we're talking to a secular world. Because if we simply say, you know, the Bible says this, you're either male or female, I mean, they're not going to really go with that. They're not going to understand that in, in any strong way. But if you say, you know what, I feel like uh, this goes against not only my value system, but my sense of safety. I do not feel safe when a male comes into a female bathroom. Mm-hmm. Now, let's just say that happens in church. Trust me, it's happened, and it will probably, unfortunately, happen more, mm-hmm. where a male will go into a female bathroom. Let's say it's an adolescent. I think, I think we need to be very clear. It's not acceptable. We can, we can say that, and in, in, there's no negotiating on this. Um, they may be able to use a, a family bathroom that is only one person's allowed in there, and that's that's their choice. But you cannot use a female bathroom. And then, then Bill, I would just say, um, uh, as a pastor or as a, 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 a church leader, um, you know, son, um, I guess that's an old-fashioned term, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Uh, we can say, you know, uh, I, I, I'd really like to be able to talk to you about um, why we um, have that as a decision in our church, why that's a value system. I'm really glad that you came to church today. I'm so appreciative that you are here um, and and wanting to um, receive something. So 
would would you be okay if we had a cup of coffee and went out and uh, talked about this? Mm-hmm. We want to make it inviting. We want to make it um, strong and clear that this is not acceptable. But we also want to say, uh, but you are a person made in God's image, and I respect you, and I I want to honor. Um, who God has made you, and I'd love to have a conversation with you. Mm-hmm. I invite you in. So I think that's a very fair approach toward uh, probably something that we're going to see more and more of. Now, there's others in the audience that I'm sure is going to say, forget that that nice talk. <laughs> Marcus, forget that. I'm just going to go in and, and blast this and say, you know, get out of here. Uh, well, okay. Well, that's one way. But yeah. I, I, I think we need to have some real balance in that. Um, I'm interested, too, in, in the motive of the person. You know, there's people that yep. go after the Christian baker and the Christian photographer, and they're trying to make a point. So how long before somebody comes in with the the, the motivation to try to create a scene? Yeah, and I think, you know, we have to also be thoughtful of, okay, if if I'm truly a person, though, that feels, feels like I am not a male— and I truly believe I'm meant to be a female, then this person may have a great deal of sincerity in in how they're feeling and that they should be using uh, a female restroom. Now, there's that's a huge difference between that and a predator who is waiting to uh, make sure, okay, there's just one girl or one woman left in the bathroom and I'm going in. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's a huge difference. Yeah. So I think we need to be really careful about that. Now, you know, who knows for sure what is the motivation behind all this? But I, I do think there is a difference between someone who, um, you know, it, they may not be wanting to make um, uh, a huge scene at all. As a matter of fact, they may be wearing makeup and looking like female. Mm-hmm. And how would you know for sure? Yeah. Um, uh, which is another interesting thing because, you know, it's not just as much as the chemistry uh, changes and the and the blockers that can be used and the operations that can be changed and even the atoms, apples that can be removed and, you know, everything from the implants, you cannot make a male female or a female male. It's impossible. Mm-hmm. You cannot have a male have a baby. You, it's impossible. And so all the all the reasons, the voice, the body, the muscle, the bone structure, all of it cannot be changed. Mm-hmm. We'll take a break and come back with Dr. Marcus Bachman. You can learn more about Marcus and his practice at counselingcare.us. If you have a question as we continue to discuss gender dysphoria, you can text it over to 877-933-2484. Faith Radio and Afternoons with Bill podcasts are available because of listener support. If you are a supporter, thank you so much. Becoming a supporter today by visiting MyFaithRadio.com. Welcome back to the show. Dr. Marcus Bachman is with me in studio. We're talking about Gender dysphoria, which is an extremely hot topic, 
Marcus, what does science? Um, what what did we learn at John, at John Hopkins Research? They did. They're doing transgender operations. You know, they were Bill. Did they stop? They stopped. Whoa! Now, now, now I've read that they are reconsidering that, and they may have already started again. But for years, they stopped. And if I can read the quote from the person who was in charge of um, John Hopkins, this whole they were one of the first in the nation to start the um, uh, sexual change operations. Uh, it was Chris Hyde, who's the director, and he's and I will quote quote say this. Um, even if doctors are careful to perform the procedures on appropriate patients, there's still a large number of people who have the surgery but remain traumatized. Mm-hmm. They stopped doing the operations there for many years. It's it's a uh, when it comes to the science, we don't have any long term studies because this is relatively a new. A phenomena in the sense of um, sex operation changes, but if you if you look at even the short term studies, and and which is an unfair thing to do in its entirety, because what can you really derive? But 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 if you um, do the mental health status exams of people who have had sex change operations, they're not happy people. Often you'll find statistically they are more depressed or more anxious or stay the same as they came into it. You know, Chris Jenner, which everyone thinks, you know, he brought the whole... Bruce Jenner. Bruce Jenner. I'm sorry. Sorry. Thank you. Uh, I always get my gender words wrong. Uh, (laughs) He, uh, you know, he's not a happy person. And there is evidence of that uh, behind the scenes. But of course... That's another issue mm-hmm. of once someone has gone that route. And by the way, there is so much um, uh, personal stories of people who have had, uh, you know, blockers and sex change operations, and they they they've realized what a mistake. And I really wonder what will happen to the um, the lawsuits of children adolescents that were not of age to make such a decision. Now, we, we, we have all sorts of laws about children not being able to make adult decisions. But if a child and a parent is endorsing it, what will happen to the lawsuits of the doctors that have made the decision for, uh, for having that operation to change that child's life? And, you know, once you've changed a child's um, chemistry balance. It's not like you stop after a, uh, a, a period of time and everything becomes normal again. There are certain things that will never come back, never change, mm-hmm. uh, whether it's the voice or whether it's the muscle tone. Or there's so much that is damaged that is done. And I and I and I think I think we're in for as if we want to do the long term. Uh, from my perspective, prophetic look at this is we're going to see a tremendous amount of lawsuits because we're seeing that these changes, these these operations, really, and and understandably so, can never change the inside of a person's heart and their mind. They've just changed the outward appearance. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Dr. Marcus Bachman is my guest. Marcus, can you? Please address how churches, particularly youth and children's ministry programming, can respond to this issue. Uh, I think 
Um, this is part of the debate um, when you have a child come to um, children's program and um, they've you know decided or their parents have decided uh, you're no longer going to call John John. You're going to call him a girl's name. Um, you have to make a decision how you're going to respond to that. That's a tough one. That's a tough one or when they're asking you to do pronouns. I personally believe that you call the child's name by what the parent has decided that child's name is. Um, not all people will do that because it's such a confusion and such a difficulty. But I think that uh, even as, as a Sunday school teacher, you have the ability to emphasize the uh, well-being of that child. And you can say uh, affirming words so that child feels safe they feel like they're being accepted, um, and I think that the 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 um, uh, difficulty will be really if if that uh, uh, church leader can speak to the parents. I, I think you're going to find it a rare case that uh, a parent coming to, except depending on the church and the the theology of the church. Um, so it, it it's a mixed bag. It's mm-hmm. it's not an easy. This is probably one of the most complicated, difficult, um, and sensitive areas of how uh, church leaders should handle. Um, and again, I would say that it is strongly dependent on how uh, determined the parent is that you call that child or treat that child. Mm-hmm. Um, Marcus, how should a Christian correctly respond when talking with someone who believes in discriminating against transgender or gay individuals when it comes to jobs or housing? For example, if someone says, I won't hire or rent to a transgender or gay person, how should a Christian best respond? Well, if I'm understanding the question right, I mean, legally, we can't discriminate. That's true. So I think we have to be very careful there. I mean, we're just going to get ourselves in hot water. I think that if it comes to, you know, it's the example of, you know, um, what if your belief system is as a, as a, as a Christian baker or a Christian photographer, um, it goes against your belief system to celebrate marriage in that way. Mm-hmm. I, I think that's being proven in court all over, all over the country. Not always one, but often it has been that, um, uh, the person should have a right to say, "I'm not okay with that. That's against my value system, mm-hmm. and uh, you should stand. You should be able to stand by that." Mm-hmm. Here's a question that's not about gender dysphoria, but it's about um, s- sexual identity. I've got a, a a daughter struggling with homosexuality and keeping it hidden from me, uh, and she's ashamed. She's got two identities. Should I let her know that I know? Oh, I would definitely have. An open discussion. Uh, you know, I think one of the conversations should be, I'm sorry that you haven't felt comfortable talking to me. I want to be that person that you can talk to. Mm-hmm. Uh, if, if it's a parent, if it's a relative, it's someone who's close. Mm-hmm. Obviously, um, there are reasons why people hold back, hide that sense of identity. And it truly is an identity issue. And I think that if we understand more strong who we are as believers and who we can become as believers, 
there we there we find an answer. Mm-hmm. And and I just want to create as a parent, as a grandparent, as a lover of people, um, a message that um, we start by listening, mm-hmm. we start by understanding, and and uh, we can uncover and find a, a, an avenue of freedom for that mm-hmm. person. Marcus, would you pray for all the families struggling with gender dysphoria? Absolutely. Father God, I thank you that you have created us male and female, that you have uh, given to us the ability to uh, celebrate um, how you have assigned to us to be. But I know, Father, there are many people that have confusion and parents and grandparents that may have confusion over this. I just pray for clarity for sensitivity, for the ability to minister in a way that says uh, a loving approach and a truthful approach. Give us the wisdom to know how to deliver that message, how to be kind, and how to be at the same time truthful about what your word says, about how you've assigned us, how you've given us purpose, how you've given us a reason in life to be. So I pray, Father, for those that are out there that are really suffering, that are truly in a hard spot, not knowing and wondering um, how to respond to all of this. So I pray, Father, for their emotions, and I pray, Father, for truth in their life. Encourage them. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much, Dr. Marcus Bachman. You can learn more about him at counselingcare.us. That is our show for the day. I'm so glad we had this time together. I look forward to our time again tomorrow. Jeff Dorn is going to be joining me, wrapping up our series on Who Is This Jesus, as well as lots of other exciting things. See you tomorrow. Thanks for listening. Programming like this is made available through your support. Information available at MyFaithRadio.com.